Hello, and welcome to What the Denmark, the show that explains things that seem peculiar as an outsider in Denmark. I'm Sam. And I'm Josefina. Each episode, we'll discuss a new topic, talk to experts, and try to understand why something so normal in Denmark is confusing to foreigners. Despite living abroad for many years, I'll be giving the inside view of Danish culture. And as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally from the UK, and so we'll be giving the outsider view of the country. Our ultimate goal is to resolve cultural confusion in Denmark. This show is just one part of that mission, and so stick around to the end to hear about how you too can be involved. Welcome to part two of What the Denmark's investigation on how to get a job in Denmark. If you haven't already, you might like to listen to part one to get familiar with some of the themes that we discuss here. After learning about the three golden rules for job applications in Denmark, deliver, fit, stay, we are going to cover some practical advice for applying for jobs and how to make sure there's no cultural confusion in doing so. As before, we speak mainly with Kerian from English Job Denmark. We started off this part of the interview with me asking what are some practical tips she has for someone applying for a job. As she says, the first one is pretty simple, but often overlooked. Do your research on the company. Prove that that company is actually a company that you want to work mm. for. If you don't do your research, you're not going to gain employment. Um, mm. And research is really in terms of finding a little bit out about the company and making sure that when you're sending an application, you're not sending a copy paste. I've had one of my friends recently, a VP of one of the big Danish companies here, say to me recently that she hired somebody that had zero experience in the field that she was hiring for, but her personality shone through in the application. And mm. she had a little tagline on her CV. Mm -hmm. It was something along the lines of, if I can't do it, it's because I've not learned it yet. Mm. So it was indicating that, you know, I'm not saying that I can do everything, but I'm willing to learn. Mm. And she said that the HR manager said no, but the VP said, no, I want to see her. She, she yeah. sounds interesting. Hobbies and interests, you need to have that in there. That shows a personal aspect, personal side of who you are, and also more importantly, what you do outside of work. Mm. Because if you're work, 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 um, then at some point you're potentially going to go down with stress or you're going to feel overwhelmed, overworked, and going to pull other people down with you. It affects the group. Mm. So it's about showing that you have the means to stop that happening mm. because you know yourself or because you have outside interests. So the more interest you have, the better. I have a friend uh, that sent me his application recently for review. Took a look at it, loved it. What he'd written on his hobbies and interests that he enjoyed baking, mm -hmm. enjoyed working out as well because he needed to wear off the effects of Makes baking a lot. Yep. And then in his CV, it actually wrote, but don't worry, I like to actually bring in my cookies and creations into the office and I look forward to sharing with you soon. Very he good. was hired for the first job he went for. Yeah. Um, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as Nikolai says, I recommend people to transfer their experience into a contribution. If I took this role, what could I do with it? If you let me do this, I could see I could change your uh, process or I could make sure that you will be digitally transformed within five years. Something mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Just because I think what they need to understand is that when you arrive from a position like that, 
it is more convincing for Danish companies if you tell them with this experience, what am I be able to do? Mm. And that that would be a better approach instead of saying, okay, now I apply for a job and now I've had 100 unsuccessful applications. So regarding the stay part of the golden rules, Kerry-Ann believes it's only a good thing to say that you're learning Danish and even that you enjoy spending time with your Danish partner. So that's also, would would you ever, I, I wouldn't really consider that if I was going and applying to a job in another country saying, oh, by the way, I'm dating someone here. I think it's really important to say that you're learning Danish. Mm. Um, I've had employees who did not bother with Danish because they thought it was too difficult. And that's a real issue. You need people who want to embrace the place they're in. Mm. It also shows something about an openness and an attitude. And I think it's also a matter of understanding culture because you learn culture through a language. And just like you as an employer uh, should be open to other cultures and try to remember that you are shaped by your own culture um, and therefore you need to to try to be especially open-minded to create an inclusive environment. You also want employees who approach it that way, try mm. to understand where they are, try to embrace the, the, the place they're in and therefore the language part is exceptionally important. In terms of spending time with your Danish partner or Danish friends, I think that it can be done in a different way. Maybe um, you show that you engage in, in Danish community by saying that you are in a Danish tennis club, you are um, participating in um, a local group trying to change the community or something, but mm-hmm. just basically show that you're engaging in this country through activities rather than through your partner. Got it. Don't necessarily have to have Tinder on your hobbies and interests. I I thought that's kind of an interesting way of doing it. Um, I would definitely not look for Tinder. (laughs) I asked that to Carrie Ann. She said, don't do that. So I just thought I'd (laughs) bring it up just in case. Um, But yeah, okay. I mean, I think we've spoken about it before, this idea of not having the scattergun approach, but sort of doing this thing where, you you know, I've actually got two applications i'm going to do this week and they're going to be knockout applications and doing these things of actually going to the effort of bringing out that personality in you Um, and it's really really great we also have some practical tips for the Mm -hmm. job interview so assuming that you get invited to the job interview what do you do now um so again carrie ann has some fantastic tips what should you wear go towards whatever you feel comfortable in you've got to feel confident so go for confidence more than anything else but what you need to be doing is thinking about point two fit Mm. you have to fit in so if you have done your research effectively on the website you can see whether people are wearing suits whether it's an open shirt no tie whether it's more corporate feel whether it's more relaxed try and match it if you can't find out what people are wearing then be confident and, and, and wear something that's going to create confidence uh, within yourself. Be prepared. Make sure that you know where the interview place is. If it's on Zoom, make sure you can use Zoom. Check out the link prior to the interview itself. So be prepared. I mean, that's the absolute bare minimum. The yeah. interview is very informal. So mm. what will tend to happen is it will be an introduction. So it'll be an introduction of them, introduction of you. Then it'll go to question round. And questions can both come one way from the recruiters to you, or it can go almost like a dialogue where it feels very easy. 
Um, but then at the end, they will ask you, do you have any questions for us? So if at that point your questions have been covered, make a point of stating it. Mm. Actually, no, we've covered it in what we've just discussed. Thank you. Nice. Um, other than that, then, then you always, always, always have to have some questions prepared because it shows an interest in the company. Think of recruitment and the process of recruitment just like dating. Mm. You've got to make the companies feel special. Mm-hmm. If you let them know that you've sent out 50 other applications, they don't feel special. Hmm. So make them feel special. So don't, this scattergun approach is is just wrong because it means I don't care about you. I will take anything. Mm -hmm. And in the dating world, if you will take anything, it's not attractive, (laughs) right? And and the same goes on the employment side of things, that it's not attractive. Would it be weird to send a little thank you note after the interview? No, you should always send a thank you. Okay. Yeah. You want to befriend them so that they want to stand next to the coffee machine and speak to you, yeah. that they stand in the hallway and speak to you because you're a nice guy. Mm. You want to create that ambience in interview. Yeah. Um, and of course, when we're interviewing, we know that people are going to be nervous. But try and bring your personality out because one, that's what we're going to remember. And two, ultimately, that's what we want. We yeah. want somebody with personality that can be a future colleague. So send that follow up with thanks very much for interview. Just let me know if you need anything else. I'd be Mm. really happy to assist. Still very much interested in the role. I like what I heard today and look forward to hearing from you. Nice. She's got all the answers. All the answers, yeah. I'm wondering, have you you had any wow factor job interviews that you've sat in on um, that that jumped to mind? Yeah, I have actually. I've met a lot of very... uh, remarkable candidates and um, who've had wonderful answers and also questions. I think Mm. that I'm always surprised at how many fantastic people are out there and how much they have to offer. Actually, that's also the the case with all of these applications that you receive, that basically there are a lot of great people out there. And that's why one thing is, as uh, Carrie mentioned, be prepared. That's the least you can do. But again, you don't just want to be well communicating and have good answers. You also want to stand out in the interview. Mm. And how can you do that with, again, doing the right thing in terms of the Danish custom of being a team player? Yeah. And wondering, is there something that really, really great ones do that the others don't? They're good at asking questions. Okay. Relevant questions. Mm. They're good at offering anecdotes and examples at what they've done well and how they've helped create value where they've been before, whether it's in their, as part of their hobbies or whether it's as part of their previous job. So that's really important to, to have those examples of how you created value, but without bragging. We mentioned earlier in the show that sometimes you might not meet all the requirements. So sometimes it asks for five years of experience. You've only got three. Um, but the key, carry ann says, is to get on the phone with the recruiter. If you can't deliver 100%, if you have two years instead of five years experience, for example, then what you would do is you've got to make contact uh, to the recruiter. Mm-hmm. Very often there will be a telephone number or an email on the job description of where you can contact them. So it's about trying to leapfrog the deliver part and go to the fit. Mm -hmm. So what you're trying to do is not to prove that you can do the job 
although that's part of it, you're actually trying to, to get the fit part sorted. You're trying to gain them as a colleague and, and actually as an ally on the inside. So what you would do if, if I was to, to do it now, you would say, hi, my name's Carrie ann I'm interested in the role of, I have a couple of questions. Is now a good time for you to, to speak? Mm-hmm. Proceed to give them a couple of questions that are role specific. Is this a new role? Or okay. would I be replacing somebody else? Okay. Um, could you tell me what percentage of the day would be spent doing X and what percentage would be doing Y? Mm-hmm. The aim of the game when you're calling is, is to be friendly, professional, but above all else, to be memorable. Mm-hmm. Because if you're memorable, what you do is you follow up or you finish the call with thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to me today. My name's Carrie ann just to let you know, I'm going to be sending my application to you later today. And this one's a really good one. Mm. At the end, you say to them, is it okay that I connect with you on LinkedIn? Oh, okay. So now you've got the recruiter or the person responsible for hiring as a LinkedIn contact. They've had your name twice. You've said that you're going to be sending in an application. So they're aware of it coming in. So what you've done is created that connection. So they mm-hmm. understand that you're going to be sending in an application. Mm-hmm. So chances are you're going to be filtered out and at the very least given a few more seconds of, of yeah. consideration. Yeah. And that's all it takes. So I think that this sort of really goes into what we've been speaking a lot about today of sort of getting yourself to stand out from the crowd. It's a very tactical game, isn't, isn't it? it? I always thought that. She was quite, she was sort of, I want to carry on on my team. Yeah, you know I, I think uh, she's, in my she's phenomenal. I must say she, she would be a good advisor if one is looking for a job. Definitely listen to Carrie. Yeah, exactly. So I remember yeah, when the whole time I was like, man, you're like that really cool aunt that just gives you great life advice. Yeah, exactly. Or just sort of like, no, no, do Can this. Can I have kid. her number? Yeah. <laughs> we will be uh, sharing Carrie Ann's details and the welcome group at the end of the show, so don't worry. <laughs> in terms of where to find jobs, I'm personally quite in favour of just finding five or six companies that you would love to work for. Do a load of research and figure out how you could be valuable to them and actually do some example work to demonstrate it. This could be researching a new market to enter or creating social media content that you think they could be better at. Once you have your pitch, which clearly shows that you can deliver, reach out to someone senior who works there and find a way to get a coffee with them. Whilst this might seem like a lot of work, remember that this is potentially your dream job and it's very likely that no one else will have gone to the effort that you had. Even if there's not an immediate job opening, with that foot in the door and someone senior in the company on your side, good things are sure to follow. Also, as the world of work changes and full-time employment is becoming deconstructed into individualised tasks, organisations are often more open to working with freelancers. Sometimes the best way to get a full-time job is to start by proving yourself in a part-time gig, which is often easier for organisations to agree to in the first place compared to a full-time hire. With all that said, it can still be difficult to know where to look, especially if, in Denmark, everything seems to be in Danish. A big thing for non-Danes is I don't speak Danish. Yeah. So I assume that English job Denmark, you know, that, that's the whole point, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once, uh, so th- these are specifically jobs where 
Danish is not a requirement. Exactly. English-speaking yeah. positions specifically. Yeah. So we have both a website, so that's englishjobdenmark.dk. Um, you can go on there. We've just launched our new platform with information and events. Um, so you can join that, become a member. It's a monthly membership. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also connect through to our Facebook group. And that's completely free of charge. As said, it's also a, a non-profit. So what we do is all the income brought in is reinvested and, and put towards initiatives helping experts, such as our helpline. We have a, a helpline or a hotline, employment hotline, mm-hmm. where you can call in and, and seek advice and a few other things. Awesome. Well, carry on. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. The last bit that I just wanted to talk about was we've sort of come into this from this paradigm of you move to Denmark, you need to get a job in Denmark. But I think it's interesting to just sort of note that it is possible, especially as we've seen with the whole coronavirus working from home thing, that you can work remotely for a while. And at least even in the short term, one thing that I found when I went to move to East Africa was it was really difficult getting a job there. Um, But in order for me to be able to pay the rent, um, it was easier for me to work remotely for for a couple of UK companies just to, you know, for a couple of days a week just to get some money coming in. And it then gave me the the space to not be stressing and be like, oh my God, I've got to take any job that I can. Um, I think now that more and more of the world is getting used to working from home, being able to, when you come to Denmark and you're like, okay, well, I'm sort of struggling to get a job. You can still be earning income by going on sites like Upwork and these freelance sites, or even talking with people, your network back home and just finding some businesses that you know and saying, oh, look, I've just moved here, but you know, do you maybe need some help with some blog posts, writing some blog posts, or doing you know whatever skill it is that you've got, and that way you can earn a you thousand know, euros, a couple of thousand euros a month, um, which is not going to set you up for life. But for those sort of six months before you actually then get a job here, it's a nice way to to sort of bridge it, as opposed to being like, oh my gosh, I've got to take literally any job that I can take once I get here. Yeah, I think that's a good way, and actually, some people they turn that into a way of life. A lot of people call themselves digital nomads mm-hmm. when they work like that. So it's basically the whole concept of traveling across the world while working for uh, magazines and other companies that actually can put up with you not being in the office every day. And obviously with Corona, this is becoming more relevant than ever before. But you see photos of digital nomads out on the beach with their drink and their computer on their lap. And even for it can even be a full-time job, but just working from home. So if I have a friend who she's from Estonia and when she moved here, she basically just carried on the same job that she did in Estonia for, I think, three or four months. And so she'd sort of still do a nine to five, more or less, um, until she then got a job in Copenhagen. It's a really good way. And I think that if you already have that job when you leave, for Denmark, um, then actually you know your colleagues well enough that you don't need to be in a meeting with them every day mm. to catch up because you can do it online if you know people well enough. I think it's more difficult to create new relations and get a new job um, that is not geographically set um, if you don't know people. Mm-hmm. And I certainly think if you're sort of in it for the long term, it's quite nice to have a job in an office and colleagues that you get to know and it really can feel part of moving to the country. But yeah, just sort of doing it as a, as a short-term thing can actually be an option which 
isn't necessarily immediately obvious. Um, and, yeah. and I think it's worth remembering that a lot of people in Denmark that work for global companies, they travel a lot. Mm. You know, they're actually not based in Denmark all the time. They travel in order to do their job. So um, whether you you work in Denmark and travel a lot or whether you work for uh, a company in your home country and have to go back there once in a while for a meeting, it's more or less the same. Mm. But of course, you want to be grounded in Danish culture when you live here. I think that is a really nice part of living in a country. But I think bridging it like that is a really good way. Mm. Then you also don't feel desperate while you're doing yeah. your job search. And let's face it, if you look desperate, you don't come across well. Yeah. So, we hope you've enjoyed this second part of our look on how to get a job in Denmark. I think a big thing to take from this is that when applying for jobs, it's better to be targeted in your approach rather than to spray and pray. It may feel like you reduce your chances applying for fewer, but actually you're much more likely to stand out from the crowd. Yes, and whilst there are lots of job opportunities out there, there's nothing stopping you from being a bit alternative in your approach to work whether that be some remote freelance work or speculative outreach to companies you'd love to work for. As always, you can get links to all the companies and the key points from our discussions on whatthedenmark.com. If you've got more to add about the topic or think there's something else we should consider, join the conversation on our What The Denmark Facebook page. Thanks to everyone who has helped in the creation of this episode, including David Doliak, Guki Gunas-Shivali, Reke Campbell, Andreas Pulston, Kevin Most, and Tevin Sudi. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're still early in our journey of resolving cultural confusion in Denmark and would love for you to join us by subscribing to the show on your podcast app. If you like this episode, please consider telling a friend about it. And you can also head over to www.whatthedenmark.com to receive our newsletter. Thanks for listening. I'm Josephina Voldfatz. And I'm Sam Floyd. Did you see my picture on WhatsApp? Yeah. I just realized what it was like yesterday. <laughs> I don't even know what mine is. I don't think I have a shirt on. And it's just like a filter of really small sunglasses. And I look like a psycho. <laughs>